Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now, here's your host, Jeff Udick. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Schools. So great to be here again with Trisha. Trisha, I think we were just talking before we started recording, uh, the, still in the heat wave, but you had a, like you had a whole day of rain, which is like sometimes feels the best, right? It really did. It's the only day of the entire summer where we've had an all day rainstorm. And um, yeah, it was just fantastic. Like I I loved it. I, I loved having that, that big, long rainy day. So maybe that's just, again, a a sign of my age or something, you know, if I were 12 and the, the whole day was rainy in the summer, I don't think I'd be excited, but middle yeah. age, you're like, yes, we need this. The plants need, <laughs> we this. need this. Yeah. Yeah. And I just got back from a great camping trip out on the Washington coast, uh, where we hit it perfectly. We had three gorgeous days, uh, got to see, I call them real sunsets because if you're out at the ocean, a lot of times that cloud layer comes in and I call those fake sunsets if the sun actually goes behind a cloud. Uh, but yeah, we had three days. We got to see real sunsets into the ocean. Uh, it was beautiful. And it made, it got me thinking like, what is the actual percentage of days that that happens here in the Northwest? And I just, I, as I'm thinking about that, it's this idea of today's episode around data literacy and telling data stories becomes so important. Like there is so much data and we get into this in today's episode with, with um, Alan Hillary, but there's so much data around us. How do we help to tell the data stories? And I just think it's a really great episode as we start thinking about the time and space that we live in right now. And I think data literacy is only going to become increasingly more and more and more important. And something that Alan goes into on this episode, I think is also just the reality that a lot of the emerging job markets are looking not at subjects being just in, you know, a, its own little cubby hole, but we have to start thinking more holistically because the work that Alan is talking about is really this merger of lots of different subjects to coming together and the intersection of social justice. As he was talking about his work, he actually reminded me of a TED talk that's from 2014. So it's uh, <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite TED talks, but I had not thought about it for a long time. It's by Chris Jordan. It is called Turning Powerful Stats into Art. Um, and Alan reminded me of it because he reminded me that when we're facing big problems, um, or we have information that is just hard to digest and calculate, we need to be really creative in the way in which we are presenting and conveying that data. Uh, mm -hmm. And that overlap between really the humanities, language arts, um, all of the different math literacies, it's just, I think, something to be thinking about because our young learners today are, are going to also be facing some of those issues where they will have to communicate um, critical concerns in a way in which I think it has that emotional, um, you know, that, that emotional weight from the audience. And I love that he talks about the empathy piece that a good yeah. data communicator will be thinking about what the audience needs to understand and perhaps what the audience needs to feel. Yeah. And I, I love that. We really get into some, just this talk about empathy and empathy with data. Like what do, what do people need to know and how do I make sure? And it, it's so interesting, right? Like we're, we're coming out of the pandemic. And as you reflect back, 
you think about the scientists and all the data they had coming at them and then having to put on like this empathetic lens of like, well, what data is important, right? What is, what is it that people need to know versus what is the, the googly stuff in the background that people might want to know? And how do you make the want available to those who want it, but make sure that everybody has the information that they need, right? And you've got to put yourself uh, in, in, in that situation. And I just, I love it. Cause it, I mean, that's a real life example of what we're talking about when we're talking about data stories. Like we're all still living these data stories that are coming out of the CDC or, you know, the Canadian health, uh, organization administration. And that's it. I mean, it's not, it's not just, you know, a bunch of geeky people sitting besides keyboards, like data literacy and, and data empathy, I think is, is becoming more and more of our daily life and just will in the future. I love that. And, you know, he, he talks, he talks a lot about how data literacy is a literacy or is an emerging core literacy that storytellers are going to need. So yeah. um, I, I just, I, I love thinking about that as an educator of how are we leaning into that subset subset of skills for the storytellers of tomorrow and really thinking about what are all of the different ways that we need to communicate and why are all of the different um, reasons that we're going to need that, that skill set to come together. Yeah. And I do go on my little rant. Those of you that have listened to the podcast, you'll know that my rant about teaching students spreadsheet skills, uh, I still feel is critically important. We can be teaching kids spreadsheets at very young ages. Uh, and we just need, we, and it comes out again in this episode, like you listen to in not just this episode, but all these episodes that we have right here on this idea of data literacy and just the importance of having spreadsheets Help us tell numbers, tell the story of numbers. Uh, if you want to hear more about that rant, episode 73, uh, The Future Belongs to YouTube and Spreadsheets, is uh, Patrick Green and I going on a rant after doing a training one day. Uh, we just hit record and kind of ranted for a little bit on like, this This has got to be it. Like We've got to make sure that we are preparing students for their future, not our past. And that future is spreadsheets one way or the other, you know, whether it's you're, you're balancing your checkbook, which is not in physical form anymore. And you, you know, you need to know how to look at stuff on an online banking system or being able to figure out your mortgage rate or whatever it is, it's all data literacy and it's all done in spreadsheets. So where are we bringing spreadsheets into day-to-day -day lives of students in schools? That's right, Jeff, because I think we talk a lot about agency in the world of education. And if students are going to have agency, part of that is going to be, can they curate their own data? Can we tell the stories of the information that's really relevant and personal to us? Yeah. I love it. It was such a great episode. Uh, you've heard us rant on long enough. We're going to get turn this over to Alan. Uh, so our guest today, Alan Hillary from datastories.cc. You can also follow him on Twitter. Again, all that stuff will be in the show notes. Great episode on data literacy and data, telling, data storytelling. And with that, on with the show. So great to be here with Trisha and our guest today, Alan, and we're going to be talking all about data literacy. Trisha, let's start with you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Data literacy, what comes to mind when I say data literacy? <sighs> Making sense of numbers. I think demystifying, you know, we talk about being data driven in schools a lot and reckoning with the reality that the way in which you present data, there's a lot of 
power in that, right? Um, and I think, you know, I my background in education is is as a lit teacher, and we talk about building an argument. And the more I've been learning about data literacy is understanding, you know, there is also a way that you can present bias. You know, people think like math is, uh, you know, removed from that. And I feel like the more I learn about data literacy, the more I realize it's sort of a myth. And um, also just the reality that our data is out there in a way, like our personal information, you know, being scooped up and collected and, and having some more awareness about what that means, um, I think is really, really important. I love it. Well, we're here today with uh, Alan Hillary from datastories.cc to talk all about data literacy as we gear up for another school year. So, Alan, welcome to the Shifting Schools podcast. Give us Thank a little, uh, give us a little bit about your background and how did you become interested in data literacy? Yeah, my background. Thank you again for having me both. Um, both of you having me. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, my background is I have an engineering degree. So I went to school for engineering, uh, spent about three years out, you know, post undergrad um, as an engineer. I evolved more into an analytics role where I was supporting marketing and sales teams. Um, I think okay. that just looking back on everything, I have I probably should have been a teacher <laughs> much more sooner than I've become. But, you know, I, I like training. I like helping. So I've done a lot of analytics work, support. And I would say about three years ago, so I'd been in corporate America for about 15 to 20 years. And I decided to make a shift for a lot of uh, various reasons. But as I was beginning to figure out what was next... I, some of the things I took away, like I just mentioned that I loved supporting marketing and sales teams. Mm -hmm. So I got to understand how um, some people were more familiar, more comfortable with data than others. Um, and then of course, there are some people who, while they may not be labeled a data person, they were very familiar with the data because they had the business context and they know what they're looking for. So all of that, just looking back on some of those reflections and also just wanting to give back um, to underserved communities or just to give back um, from an educational standpoint, I realized that there is a need to help people become more familiar with data. And also after doing countless presentations, corporate presentations, trying to make sure that everyone understood what I was talking about, yeah. <laughs> I realized that there was a need to kind of maybe refine that some more. So one of the first steps I took post well, while I was during the end of my tenure in my corporate job, I was teaching data storytelling. And so that really lit a fire inside of me, like, oh, this is something I really would like to do. And because I know a lot of people have struggled with trying to either understand um, analysis or even to get people to understand it as from a, coming from a data perspective. So that's what has definitely been putting me on this mission. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us. And Alan, I feel like I owe you an apology for me trying to talk about data literacy, you know, like <laughs> no. me trying to explain basketball to Sue Bird for a moment there. So thank you for bearing with me as I as I spoke about it. No, um, I think, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Um, but, you know, again, your your expertise and your level of experience with data I really appreciate you talking about how you've pivoted and the work that you're doing, as it seems to me as an outsider, is trying to inspire others to really think about the ways in which they can tell data stories. Yes. That phrase might be unfamiliar to some of our listeners. So I'm wondering if you could first walk us through the process of what it means to create a data story 
and then maybe talk to us a little bit about why we need more data storytellers. Yeah, so creating a data story is more or less, I like to call it balancing narrative and data. Mm. So a lot of times, you know, not a lot of times, but we're in a time where there's just such an influx of data and it can't just stay necessarily in the professional's hands. It can't be as siloed as it used to be with data professionals assisting. I think, you know, there comes a time where we it's kind of all hands on deck. And so when you have a data story, you're, a lot of stories can be told and it's just adding those numbers. I kind of, one of the classes that we I taught at, we talked about Aristotle's triangle. So when you're trying to create a persuasive argument, you want to have a balance of like logos, ethos, and pathos where logos is the words, ethos is that, that ethics or that street cred, and pathos is the feeling or the emotion. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we have a lot of topics that need data to data to support them just to kind of appeal to a broader audience like a lot of times you may have like social justice issues or you may be trying to from a corporate perspective you're trying to fight for a certain product that's maybe new to the market and so you want to be able to have numbers to back it up so that's in a nutshell like when you're trying to tell a data story you're just trying to balance uh numbers and narratives as well as that emotional aspect because we all think differently some of us are more numbers forward some of us are going to be more emotion like you know be more creative or think more emotionally stronger that way so you you try to if you balance a story the goal is that you're telling an effective story Mm. what i'm hearing here is like this massive overlap between data math class if we take it and ela trisha like you know, I mean, we have so many standards around persuasive writing in the ELA program. And really, you know, what Alan's talking about is like, how do you take those arguments that you learn in ELA and apply those with a, with a data lens? I just love that, that integration as we start thinking about another school year of like, where does ELA meet math, you know, in these data stories? Well, and, you know, I'm thinking even too, yeah, you know, holistically, and I don't know, Alan, if this would really qualify as a data story or not, but I'm thinking of a TED Talk that came out like over 10 years ago, so bear with me. I I think the artist is Chris Jordan, and what he was trying to do was put environmental issues, um, uh, you know, really present them in a way that was captivating, but also was a big call to action. Um, and so he had, he would have these portraits. And the one that I'm thinking of is you look at it at first and it really just looks like lines on a canvas. And then he keeps zooming out, zooming out, zooming out. And what it was, was a visualization of how many plastic cups are used just by airlines every day. Wow. Um, and you know, when he zooms way out, it really is, as you were talking about that pathos, like just that feeling of what, like it, you know, kind of gives you chills, you know, the scale mm. of the waste. Um, and in a way he could have just said it's, you know, however many millions of cups. Mm. And I don't know, you know, if that would have just struck or, you know, struck the chord with me in the same way as um, that visualization did. No, I think that's totally a, good, a great example of, uh, well, I would call it data story because, yes, you could have quoted the millions of cups, but we can't really 
most of us cannot visualize what a million looks like or yeah. you know so like if you can see something with the pathos trying to relate to your audience because knowing your audience is also very important too to make sure you do strike those right chords i totally agree that that definitely qualifies <laughs> Whew. Okay, great. Sweet relief. Um, Alan, you're, you're also the co-founder of BDatalit, and, and we'll link to a, a recent episode of your BDatalit podcast where you discuss the ways that data literacy is going to be important in the future of work and, um, you know, perhaps, you know, important in the, in the present state of work, too. Could you point us to what K-12 educators need to know about the link between data literacy and just emerging trends in the job market? Because, you know, I would I would probably struggle to even name five different career paths that are possible through uh, data literacy. But I know that there's many, many more than than just five. Right. No, I mean, this is definitely a conversation I've had many times. It's like, I feel like, you know, the educational system needs to evolve a bit and I you know in terms of that because a lot of times we do look at data careers we're thinking of like data scientists or we're thinking of maybe analytical people so outside looking in but I have peaked in a little bit um when it comes to k-12 education the tracks is like well if you're going to be that type of quote-unquote person then you're going to have more math you're going to have more um science you know I know for me when I did engineering in college there were some requirements to do humanities, but it wasn't heavy. And I, I don't remember having to write papers like some of my other colleagues had to do. So I say what I have to say is like, when we do come out into the world, just the gap that we are seeing is when people are looking to analyze data, it's not necessary. I like to call two things like there's data wrangling when you're trying to analyze, you're trying to set up databases and things of that nature. But when it comes to trying to understand the trends, explain them to people who may not be as data versed or, you know, literate, um, there's a gap there because, you know, sometimes the analyst isn't, can't always tell that story or communicate in a way that's going to get the attention of a decision maker or get the attention of someone else who may not be as data um, literate. And so, you know, a lot of companies are looking at liberal arts majors because they do have what we call the, um, they can kind of derive that context or create, they have the critical thinking skills what that we call. And so they're able to express or articulate a little bit better. Um, so that's definitely one of the things, getting back to your question, is like when it comes to going through a, um, a schooling or a tra training path, it's just making sure that students understand that they don't necessarily have to be the one who's going to be doing the heavy calculations, but at the same mm -hmm. time, just being able to hone those skills. But even if you are going to be that person who plans to be the analyst, you know, just keeping us to labels to make life easier, <laughs> it, you just need to be able to also be taught some of those skills too where you can kind of be able to explain your what you're thinking to explain the analysis mm -hmm. to be able to maybe identify okay this audience is looking for a particular outcome they're not looking for the whole data dump or the every little insight that i pick on they you know we need to try to train ourselves to be intuitive to understand okay this person is looking wants me to highlight this or spotlight that so I don't know if that helped, but that's what um, I, I was just thinking, you know, one of my good friends here, he's uh, 
he actually is in marketing and he his company actually sells cables and antennas to like T-Mobile, AT&T to make your cell phone work. That's basically how I understand his job, right? But really what he is, is like, as I'm hearing you talk, I mean, he is constantly looking at the numbers and what numbers, like he runs the T-Mobile account. So like what numbers does T-Mobile want? He's got all kinds of data, but it's like understanding and learning like, no, T-Mobile is really passionate about these numbers. How do I make sure that I'm giving them the numbers? I've, there's so much data. And he's and he talks about this, like he had to learn this over time. The first couple of times he was doing presentations, it was just way too much data. It was just like, he was giving them everything and they were like, whoa, 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 we just want these three things. You know, and so it's to your point, like you have to understand your audience to know, okay, which data is relevant to them the moment they want that data. Otherwise, you just overwhelm people with data that they don't need or don't want, or you sit there waiting for the data that you want. And now people get, you know, then they're not ready to receive it. I don't know. I just think there's a, there's a lot there when you, you know, just from a, a, a marketing day to day, like his day to day job is basically knowing what data do I need to tell you know, the production team, what data does T-Mobile need to know? What data does my boss need to know? And understanding how to tell those stories to keep things, you know, moving down the line. So, yeah, definitely a difference between data exploration and like data, like exploring data. That's something that you do as an analyst, but then you mm -hmm. want to explain or give that insight. So that's when you have to know when, okay, it's kind of like in, in one of my classes, we talk about, you know, every audience doesn't want to know how you went fishing for oysters they just want to know what your best pearls are so <laughs> i love that you know, so it's like the best pearls is just giving those insights yeah. i love that i wonder we've you know there's been kind of this theme in some of our recent conversations on this podcast about so-called soft skills um and what i feel like i hear you saying is that curiosity and empathy are really crucial to the work that you do but correct me if I'm wrong, am I way off base with that? Or, you know, would you say that folks who are working in your field, those are those are soft, so-called soft skills that um, need to be harnessed or, or learned or, or maybe, you know, I, I wonder if that was sort of an entry point or an interest for you early on in your career? Yeah, I think it's, that's a two-part question. I do believe that, a two-part answer rather, I do believe that um, there is definitely that sharpening of what we call soft skills in the industry, like I do feel like there can be data professionals who can pick up on those soft skills that I just mentioned. But I also argue that, you know, some of these, you know, a lot of data professionals who go into the business, especially if they're looking to be, you know, data wranglers, what I call them, um, mm -hmm. of databases and things, they may not have really signed up to be the person to have to be in front of those meetings talking to people. So it's that's where I say that we do need to have what I call data empathy, understanding how people are gonna use data across an organization, understand that there's some people who may not be the ones doing the heavy lifting, but they may be, they need to just either become a little bit more trained in being familiar with data enough because a lot of, in terms of corporations, a lot of um, our business owners have that business context. So they do know what they're looking for, but they may sometimes be hesitant because we've gone through systems, educational systems where, okay, I'm the marketing manager, I'm the business manager, I'm not the data person. So that some people may actually be more, like I was saying earlier, familiar with data, but it doesn't mean that they need to be the ones doing all the heavy calculations. Mm. So it is that term, what I call, 
having empathy, understanding how everyone's going to use the data, who does what, um, and it's under identifying people's talents. Like some people are good, really good at analyzing, really good at you know describing trends, but they may not. Their strong suit may not be the one who's writing the code to dis, you know disseminate the data, but they can definitely sit with the data and tell really great insights and stories. All right, last question for you because it's on my mind, and I just want—I'd like to know your professional, as a professional, your opinion on this. How important is it to be teaching students how to use a spreadsheet? It's very important. <laughs> and I here's why it. I say this: I mean, you—you <laughs> you were going on and on about this data stuff, and if you look at our standards. There aren't very many standards that say students use a spreadsheet to create a graph or students use a spreadsheet to take really big numbers and make meaning from it. Right. Yeah, no, it's I, I think that's some of the shift I would love to see in the educational system is to have more of that practical mm, um, use 100% uses, uses of data, because again, you know, when, and be data lit. We talk about data literacy even outside of the outside of our jobs. That there are a lot of people, you know, generations where we're looking up information like our banking information, insurance information. We're doing that online, and especially with the pandemic, we were forced to do it more. So everyone is not familiar with that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. They so there's definitely so many different dynamics with you know the use of data and how we should be familiar with it. I, I love that. And if you want to hear more about uh, my personal rant on that, it's episode 73, okay. uh, where I talk about the future belongs to YouTube and spreadsheets. And we've just got to do more, I think, around that. And I it just as you're talking, there was an article that came out that was like, what was it like top 10 skills for boomers that Gen Xers don't 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 use or won't use. And one of them was balancing a checkbook. Right. Like nobody oh has a checkbook gosh. anymore. And yes. like the register, the register in your checkbook. But what do Gen X have? They have Excel, they've got Sheets, they've got Mint.com. All of these are spreadsheets. That's what they are. They're spreadsheets. Like you need to understand what a CSV file is. So when I go to my bank, it says download a CSV file. Great. If I open that CSV file, it looks like gibberish. I upload it into Sheets or Excel and I'm like, oh, here's all my information in my purchases and I can balance it. Yeah, I was literally having this conversation with um, my co-founder, Sarah, at BDatalet because, you know, we were, you know, I was in a part of my life journey where I was caregiving for my mom and my aunt. And so, you know, I wanted them to still kind of do their day to day without me fully taking it over. So, yeah, I had to sometimes help with writing checks. And I'm like, and I, I well, you feel free to laugh, but there were moments I had to Google, like, how to make sure to write, how to write the checks because <laughs> I, was like, I, I just want to make sure that I'm doing this right because I, <laughs> I pay, I pay bills online. So, yeah, right. So totally to your point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Alan, thank you for, for being here with us. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, follow you, um, get more information, uh, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, you can definitely start with Twitter. So I'm A-L, Al Dataviz guy. Um, so at Al Dataviz guy, definitely follow me on LinkedIn. I definitely would love people to follow us at Data Stories. We have a lot of um, workshops for educators that we're looking to launch um, this coming fall. So definitely check that out. Um, and those, yeah, those three places are a good place to start. And if you catch me on Twitter, I'll definitely reach out and respond to you. 
Uh, very cool. And Thank we'll make sure all of that's so in the show notes. Yeah, we'll make sure all that's in the show notes. Thank you for spending some time with us today to really start focusing this light. You know, the thing I love about August podcasts and like, you know, first of September podcast is like, this is stuff like we start thinking about this stuff as educators. Like, how do I change that one little lesson? How do I make sure I'm having kids tell the story of data? Not just come up with the data, but what does that data tell me? You know, that's such a simple little question to tell. Even at the end of your assessment, you just did all this data. What does that data tell me, right? Start, start writing those data stories. Alan, thank you so much. Appreciate uh, your time and energy for being here. And we'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. Uh, that's datastories.cc uh, to follow Alan and then his Twitter account and everything else will be over there too. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.